Hello and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk Footnotes. I am one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host, as always, is my friend and your friend, Chris O'Toole. Chris, how are you doing, buddy? <laughs> Good. How are you, Dan? I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing excellent. You know, I'm uh, raring to go. I'm uh, back from rioting in Riot Fest, and <laughs> I'm ready to do some talking. As part of hang out with Chris Fest, that I like alternative <laughs> punk footnotes. Weekly festival, yeah. A weekly festival, <laughs> exactly. And the bands are always awesome here. <laughs> True. And they everyone's try. still in their prime. <laughs> yes, always eternal prime. Yeah, eternal prime here. Alternative punk footnotes. But anyway, Chris, how are you doing, buddy? Good, man. You know, same old. Tired, but good. <laughs> Excellent. Any uh, any big record scores this week or any big shows or anything no, like that? No, sadly. No, I've had a pretty boring one this week. I don't know the last – yeah, the last thing I went to we discussed last week. So, no, I haven't been anything this week. It was slow for me. Okay. Nice and slow weekend. But you do have – you're the exciting part of this. Well, this I, I, I did spend my birthday, which was last week, uh, yes. driving to Chicago for Riot Fest. And yeah. managed to throw up on the way there, probably <laughs> more than I've ever thrown up. Um, not from being wasted or anything, but just from being uh, overly ambitious with fast food intake. <laughs> and then, okay. Uh, so I threw up all over the highway. But then we made our way to Chicago, yeah, for to play Riot Fest. Played there on Saturday. Didn't get to see too many bands. Saw a pretty amazing set by the Hold Steady. Uh, saw the Vandals play a couple songs. Saw the Smoky wow. Pops, who I've never seen. Not me either. That's a good one too. Um, and uh, we've never discussed them on the show. I don't think have we? Smoky Pops? Yeah, I don't think we have. Yeah, but have we had very many Chicago people on before? <sighs> that is a good question. Uh, none that I can recall, but I'm sure. Well, technically, Fred Armisen has that connection, yeah. but I don't know who else that you've had. There's probably yeah. somebody. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, it, it seems to me like they're one of those bands, much like Naked Ray Gun, but very different in Sonics than Naked Ray Gun, but, like, is far more important in the city limits of Chicago than it is to the larger punk community, it seems. Yeah, and that's not a critique on these bands because I think these bands are fucking incredible, and there's no accounting for taste. But you know, like the when you talk to someone from Chicago, like for instance, Patty from Dillinger Four tweeted out this week, um, "Your descendants in replacements is my naked ray gun," and I, I think like that also is like Smoking Popes. Someone from Chicago probably has that same opinion about Smoking Popes. They would be like, "Your Smiths and your Cure." <laughs> Or my smoking popes. Well, maybe more Smiths than Cure, but you know. <laughs> yes, we know what side you're on there. Yes. Yeah. The, the no, I don't know what side I'm on, Chris. I'm not saying a size, but I'm just saying, like, you know, like they're in Chicago, that band takes on a special significance to people. Yeah, no, I, I the weird thing about that is there was, for whatever bizarre reason, there was people in my area that liked that band. So I don't have a huge familiarity, but I definitely mm -hmm. recall. There was someone who ran a club here for a minute that was like, for whatever reason, really obsessed with that band. They had that and, one breakout hit, um, yeah. I Need You Around, but their LP was on Jonah Face Records, who put out like the No Empathy 7-inch, I Hate Ben Weasel, put out, oh God, 
Well, we got to get the Jonah face <laughs> page already. It begins. It begins. Yeah. I'd like to also mention that for the listeners, there was one thing that was pointed out in the email before we really get in the mailbag, because this reminds me. Uh, new listeners, this sort of happens. We have these tangents, and Damien's going on one now. But uh, last week, I normally try to point this out for the listeners, too, when I think something's obscure to kind of give them a lead if they want to look into it. And we failed to last week, as pointed out to a regular listener and contributor, um, that we didn't do it for Joel Plaskett, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> oh, you didn't do it for Joel Plaskett. That's well, your, that's your like... So should we do that now? No, we don't have to. I just mean like the Canadiana in me just assumed that people would know. And then it was pointed out to me that uh, from a non-Canadian person that they weren't terribly familiar. So they had to look it up and they were in fact familiar vaguely. But uh, anyway, so apologies for that. And uh, occasionally we slip on it. But usually we're pretty good <laughs> with hipping people to what to look up or, or what the reference is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and Joel Plaskett, for anyone who didn't look it up, is well worth looking up. Yeah. Yeah, he and the the listener then points out, yeah, like Thresh Hermit, he remembered. So, uh, Thresh oh, Hermit. Oh, it's face, I guess. Sorry, not Jonah's the, face. The, the label. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I always anyway. think of Jonah Falco's face when I think of that, Chris. <laughs> Sorry not to cut you off, but. <laughs> no, no worries. In case you were trying to find it and I was leading you down a, uh, a, a smoky path. And you no. Can see it. <laughs> no, I'm just finding, uh, looking up some other images now. But what are you? So this was the first Smoking Pulp LP you're saying, or the first single? I think the first like two albums actually. Yeah, the first two were both, including Born to Quit, which was had the hit on it, "I Need You Around," which I guess was reissued after a certain point by Capitol Records. Um, All right. But they uh, they were on this Johann's Face Records, and as were the Strike. Um, as were Apocalypse Hoboken, as were, you know, like a, a pretty good kind of breadth of bands, but I certainly the Smoking Popes, I guess, would be the largest one out of that. Yeah, it started in 89. This is the label dear to our heart on this show. Oh, that's yeah. The, that's the pocket era. Um, what, you said the strike, but what strike are you talking about? You know, the, not, not the British strike, but you know the mod strike from, I believe they're from Chicago, actually. Um, that put a record on Victory. Okay, so that is the same. I was going to say, is that because I'm familiar with that Victory album? Oh, Minnesota, but I didn't know that... yeah. Either way, I wasn't sure that that this was the same group. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, they put out their first one, and and they also did a split with Dillinger Four, and they were uh, certainly a uh, yeah, like a for a moment they were like a very popular band. Yeah, it's funny. I never put that together. I always knew, like, I knew there was two different ones. I, that's funny. They're from Minnesota. I thought that was from Chicago too, probably because of the Victory Records thing. But um, they formed in '93, so that first single or whatever, the one that that label put out was '95, and then yeah, the LP on Victory came out '99. That's funny. They had an LP before that on that same label too in '96. Cool. Mm-hmm. I wasn't aware that that band had a lineage beyond that first L or whatever that Victory LP. That's kind of cool. I saw him at like one of the fests in the U.S. I can't remember which fest it was, but like one of the you know DIY hardcore fests in the '90s. Cool. Like they had that kind of you know cross scene appeal at a certain point. Yeah, they're not they're not like entirely my bag, but I don't remember it being like awful or anything. No, they're, I think they're great. Like I you know certainly at the time they were very different than anything else anyone was doing. Um, that is true. And yeah. once they signed to Victory, of course, I think they kind of got. You know, assumed by victory, 
with all that <laughs> yeah. baggage that, that that comes yeah. with. Yeah, that uh, was a specific time too. That was just before the sort of the whatever the the paradigm shift of that label or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. But uh, wake of wake of uh, what you would call it the hate the wake of hate breed, but pre whatever the hell came after all that stuff. Yeah. What was the band? Oh my gosh. Well, this is not germane to this week's episode, so we can do no, this yeah. one on a different one. Uh, but anyway, so that's uh, that's it for that off the top. I think that's uh, that's good for my Riot Fest show review. Smoking Popes. And then we had a, like a twenty minute digression about Smoking Popes first album. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> On Johan's face records. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, what else? So the, you didn't, I, I do want to out you on this cause I found it very funny, but you didn't watch a certain very infamous group. No, I haven't. I didn't see this. It's on either two of their show dates. Um, Ooh. I think, uh, yeah, like I, I don't know. I think I would have liked to have seen them. Um, but I had to travel back both times cause of the family stuff. But yeah, my brother went and saw him and said it was good, said he enjoyed some of the stuff at, about it. But like, I don't know, like I, I, I think the misfits that I, I, once I resigned myself that I would never see the misfits, the imaginary show that I attended in my imagination, it was incredible. So, you know, it's hard to top that. So I don't know if seeing them live in reality would top my imaginary imagination show. <laughs> <laughs> Stooges, when I saw the Stooges, Chris, they did top that. Which does bring yeah, us to something I, else I saw last week, which is, I guess, kind of cool to talk about, or I don't know if you want to talk about it, but I saw the Stooges no, yeah, yeah. documentary, Gimme Danger. Very cool. How was it? Directed by Jim Darmouche. Uh, it's cool. Like, there's certainly, if you're, a, if you're like a big Stooges fan, there's not much in it that's going to blow you away as far as like footage you've never seen before. It's not like the MC five doc. I don't know if you ever saw that one from a few years ago. I haven't actually. No, that one's incredible. The footage they got from that was just like, you know, stuff that I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying I'm like the deepest head on all this Detroit stuff, but certainly a fan and certainly have seen my fair share of concert footage and, and stuff like that. The MC five one was just jam packed with stuff I'd never seen before. The Stooges one, it doesn't have that, but it does have some really cool interviews with, you know, rock action before Scott passed away and, and tons of interview stuff with Iggy Pop, a little bit with Mike Watt. Um, it's interesting. They give cr- credit to Jay Maskus for being kind of key to the whole band getting back together and putting the wow. whole thing together, which is something that I don't know if Iggy did prior to this. Um, to huh. be fair, I don't know if Iggy actually says the words himself. <laughs> the talk, but yeah, but it, uh, it, you know, it, it's certainly, it, there's some, there's cool stuff in that kind of regard there, but yeah, not a lot of mind blowing rare footage, but certainly some cool things. And cool. Jim Jarmusch is a great director. So yeah, did it. So was, uh, like the audience when you saw it, was it like a punk audience or just a regular, like TIFF audience kind of thing? It's, it's like a Iggy pop audience, especially because Iggy was there and did like a, Q and A at the end and an introduction with Jim Jarmusch at the beginning. Um, but like, you know, an Iggy pop audience is a black leather cowboy hat, you know, <laughs> mesh shirt, you know, worn yes. unironically. Um, yes. Not Mad Men style. Um, <laughs> you know, in like leather pants. 
and, yes. you know, smoking closed cigarettes before the show. So it's not like a weird crowd, but then there's also like, yeah, like more people I knew from music than, you know, like I like Luann from full blast was there and Glenn Salter from MSI and full blast and stuff was there. And then like Greg Dick, friend of the show, Greg Dick was there and friend of the show, Dallas good was there. And, uh, also someone who has certainly come up on this show a lot, the NHL player, with the greatest taste in music in the history <laughs> of hockey, Boyd Devereaux was there. Yes. You who's come up photo. on this show a couple times now, Chris, right? Yeah, you sent me a photo and I don't I, – I have to admit I don't recognize him. I don't really – didn't know what he looked like. So you sent me a photo to boast and I didn't <laughs> know who it was. Well, I was in so much to boast, Chris, but here's this guy that's come up. It's almost like – I would say not like a, a reoccurring character on this show, but certainly that's someone that's come up on several episodes at this point. Yeah, totally. We did go over his label as well. Yeah. Uh, on, on a previous one. But, uh, yeah, I think that's cool. Like, I didn't know. It's, it's interesting. You just happened to run into that person. Like, then it wasn't a whatever intentional seek out or whatever. No, he was there, I guess, to see the documentary and then came over because he's a, you know, fan of the Sadies, friend of the Sadies to talk to uh, Sean in Dallas and uh, they introduced me and they're like, Oh, Damien, by the way, this is, you know, boy Devereaux. And he's like, you know, and then I just kind of like put it together. Like, you know, they, they were like, Oh, he played hockey for the Detroit Red Wings. And I'm like, wait, you're the guy. You're the, <laughs> you're the guy with the best taste in hockey. And he's like taking it back. And I'm like, no, but seriously, like, cause prior to that, I thought Felix Podvan had the best taste in hockey. Cause he came to a couple ska punk shows in the late nineties. <laughs> Yes, I recall this. Uh, you no, know, but like, I always really, thought that was Urban Legend too, though. But yeah, no, no, no. I, he was at the Opera House, definitely, and in the pit. No joke for less than Jake, hundred percent. And Jersey, <laughs> he was a big Jersey fan. Amazing. The cat loved oh. his Jersey. Yes, I love that you know his nickname and you do not like or watch hockey at all. No, but I'm a, I don't know, a bit of a dilettante when it comes to sports, Chris. I like to know what's going on in all of them a little bit. Well, it is from your city, so I suppose it would have just been in the air. But yeah. It was in the air. certainly was in the air. But boy, Devereaux, my God, his taste, like, just sinks that battleship. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. He's got, like, some deep-cut taste. He's almost just like a music guy that happened to play hockey, really. Yeah. Yeah, like, which is so cool to me. Like, he, I don't know, I talked to he, he listens to the show, and I was like, I would love to have you on at some point. He's like, I'd love to come on. So... Nice. We'll, get, we'll get to the bottom of this because I think that to me is like the rarest of 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 rares. Yeah, agreed. I I'm curious. Like, there's got to be a good amount of people that we don't know about that probably have decent tastes that are in sport. But uh, yeah, it, it, hockey for me is not one that I've ever known. Yeah, uh, too many people to have like any great taste. <laughs> It'd be cool if we did like a turned out a punk all sports team. Or you just pick an athlete from every sport. We find one. So we have Scott Radinsky in baseball. Yeah. We have Robbie Brookside in pro wrestling. There you go. We have this week's guest, Jeff Rowley in skateboarding. There's probably some other ones we could also put in skateboarding. Oh, yeah. And and then we have, you know, Boyd Devereaux in hockey. True. We just need what? Basketball. NHL. Tennis. uh, um, Oh, well, Brant Bjorn. (laughs) Yeah, good You know, the root kids wrote a song about him and everything. That's true. That is true. Excellent uh, point. Or Fred Perry, probably. I don't know if Fred Perry was interested in music, though, was he? 
Well, know. I know, but he definitely, you know, gave them the clothes. So he gets, he gets honored, <laughs> in, ushered in as an honorary yeah. member of yeah. the, uh, of the order. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> How many people didn't know that he's a tennis player? <laughs> I don't know. That's my, my uh, favorite, uh, anecdote, but anyway. How many people didn't know that, uh, Dr. Martin was a foot doctor? Yeah, there you go. Orthopedic. Yeah. The, the no war- all they need to do is listen to uh, part of why I say no warning. I meant no effects. Um, <laughs> no effects lyrics teach you that even if you didn't know it already. Yep, they do. There's a lot you <laughs> learn from that. Uh, no, you can learn from no effects, but yeah, you know, not always good lessons. Not all good ones. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Let's I, get to I think this other photo here. You know, we got to talk about this other photo that hopefully will be on uh, the Turned Out of Punk Facebook. If you want to go over and check that out, you go to facebook.com and look up Turned Out of Punk, like that page, and hopefully you'll be looking back at a photo right now of Dinosaur Jr. with one Gerard Cosloy holding up a copy of the first Dinosaur Jr. record released on Homestead Records, Gerard Cosloy's label that he was running back then. Gerard is, of course, the head of Matador Records. One of the first guests ever on Turned Out of Punk and also the first guest on the Turned Out of Punk wrestling podcast, Clobbering Time, with my, myself and Tom Bryan. Uh, and then also Jay Maskus and Murph and, and of course, Lou Barlow, who had a massive falling out when Dinosaur Jr. left Homestead Records for SST. And here they are all these years together again. Years later. Yeah, the photo is, is kind of crazy. And I, again, I didn't know what Gerard Cosley looked like. So that photo was kind of lost on me for a second. But now that you've explained it, the Homestead record makes perfect sense. Uh, and it's a neat looking photo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I wasn't aware of that history either. I didn't know they had a falling out and all that business. So yeah, like I, I don't know if the first time they ever hung out together again, there must have been other times. But one of the earlier times they did was when we put out Chemistry of Common Life. And did a 12 hour show and had Jay come out and play some songs with us. Um, and Gerard was there as well. And I think they actually jammed out a song together at some point. Nice. I'm not mistaken, but I think that was like one of the first time they had hung out together again, but here they are, you know, everyone's together. Dino Jay. Yeah, that's and, cool. And yep. Well, and arguably even like Lou Barlow being in the photo and that he wasn't always in and mm-hmm. all that whole business too. So it's, yeah, it's an interesting photo for that. For and sure. Murph, Murph was out of the band at one point oh, yeah, too. Yeah, true. That is true. Murph's going to come on the I show like, soon. It's going to be, I think it's going to be the best one out of anyone in that band. <laughs> <laughs> I like that uh, what has been unearthed in, in like these episodes as well is that Damien is a big, arguably huge Dino Jr. fan. Uh, something I also wasn't aware of. They're the first band I ever saw, Chris. Like when I went by myself, first show I ever went by myself was Dancer Junior at Massey Hall. I that's crazy. With my I did little not brother know Tristan. Were... Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's not gonna... a bad. Sorry, not a bad group to be a big fan of. I mean, good starting point band too for a lot of people. Yeah, that show was like you know I, I really, oh my gosh, what a what a great time that night was, but. Uh, it was also the night that uh, it was Devil's Night, and there was riots on Young Street. Really, it was a crazy time. The uh, why were the riots just in general, like like vandalism kind of riots? Yeah, you know, like just not real riots, but just like people fucking shit up a little bit. But huh. it was a crazy night. <laughs> crazy night when my parents picked me up. 
from that show out front. <laughs> nice. Uh, but yeah, cool photos. Where did you unearth this or did you take it? Uh, no, it got sent to me. Uh, um, uh, I will not reveal the sender. So I don't know who the photographer okay. is, unfortunately, either, but <laughs> it was, it was sent to me and, uh, I thought I should pass it along so we could talk about it on the show. Yeah, no worries. I think it's good. It connects a lot of dots, which is cool. Mm-hmm. And that I means that gives us hope, Chris, that one day you and me will have our photo taken together again <laughs> and our beef. I'm, I'm sure that, well, there's no beef, but I'm sure the photo will happen at some point. We call it the beef beef. It's because beef quit fucked up to form urban blight with you. That's how I remember it happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is not historically accurate. In the least. I don't know, yeah. Chris. I'm going to go with my version of events. Okay, fine. People can believe whatever they want, but that is nowhere near the truth. <laughs> All right. Uh, should we get into the show finally? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That was <sighs> the the front end. Now we got our regular correspondence and what have you. So what uh, what else did you have to queue up? Anything? No, I think I think I think we just got to get into our our mailbag. All right. Is mail that mailbag? Right? Yeah, for sure. I didn't have any other. Oh, we should news. maybe talk about yeah. This week's episode was with uh, about Jeff Rowley's episode. We'll get to in a yeah. second. But uh, first, we have to tackle the momentous task that we have at every show, which is this mailbag that just won't quit. And how do they get in touch <laughs> with this to help us fill it, Chris? Yes, it's turned out of punkfootnotes at gmail.com. And uh, you've already heard this much of the show if you're listening, so you know what we like. <laughs> <laughs> so feel free to send all this uh, weird, obscure, whatever. And uh, we will gladly go over it with a fine-tooth comb and... Uh, yeah, we we enjoy this kind of stuff. So, um, but yeah, this week we have a we have a few regular sort of people that send in excellent stuff always. But this one that started off in particular, um, I found interesting. This is a record I was not familiar with, but I believe last week, if I'm not mistaken, uh, was it last week you were talking about the comedic? Yeah, last week Craig Ferguson thing? podcast episode. That's right. Yeah. So. Yeah, there was uh, Damien floated this notion that uh, for whatever reason, drummers, uh, at least in the punk rock sense, tend to also be really funny comedic people or what have you. He cited Craig Ferguson, of course, and then uh, like Fred Armisen, um, John Worcester, uh, people like that. And then John Belushi came up and one of our listeners uh, wrote in and sent info about a record by a band called The Ravens. Um, what year was this released? I'm just trying to find the year. I was trying anyway. to see, was this 45 released itself or is this just a reissue that it came out? seems like it might be a reissue, but it's obviously old. Uh, anyway, I can't seem to find a year. Well, formed in 65, mm-hmm. five high school students. Okay. So it's definitely, well, let's go to the, anyway. let's go to the discogs. I'm sure this is in the, in the discogs. So if we can find them on the resource, yeah. This is from uh, our Norwegian correspondent, Kel, who sends in amazing stuff. But this is – yeah, John Belushi had a garage rock, kind of like frat rock band called yeah. The Ravens. And, like, you know, that makes sense because he had, like, such a a musical kind of uh, sense to his comedy, you know? Yeah, and it also – Oh, it's uh, not on here. Well, I did find – You found it? A- I found a Ravens. I'm not sure if this is the the same one. It could be. They don't look Danbury, Connecticut. That would make sense, no? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh no, but this is saying Illinois. No. Yeah, no, this so is there's, there's a few Ravens clearly. 
Um, but yeah, anyway, this record, um, there's a link we will also be able to put up. But it's uh, on, what is this? The, the record label is Alona's Dream, A-L-O-N-A-S-D-R-E-A-M records.com. Um, and slash the Ravens, there's info about it. And the Ravens is just spelled normally. Um, but yeah, it's, it's basically what Damien mentioned. It's a garage rock group featuring, um, uh, John Belushi on drums. And he also, appears, sorry, go on. no, no, go on. No, sorry. Go on. I was just going to say it appears to be from 2011. I think I just I found it, was it. released, but it was saying here, there's a review from, Oh God, this is horrible. We probably should have <laughs> looked over this. October. There's a review from October on there, but no, it looks like it came out in 2011. Unless there's another reissue of it that's or an original issue that doesn't have a listing here. Um, the group formed in 1965, and uh, yeah, there's a uh, Alona's Dream Records, but uh, did a reissue, a numbered reissue back then. Um, yeah, the uh, the whatever this little article's tidbit mentions here though is that they did actually press an original copy of this Whoa! and there were less than 50 copies because the group saved up to press their own record way back when seems to be mid 60s anyway just really really cool kind of obscure fact about certainly john belushi that i wasn't aware of and i have not heard this um but it looks pretty sick i gotta say are you on the disco cogs page I didn't find theirs. Okay, I'm if you go to the you go to John Belushi's Discogs page, you'll see that just below it, there is on Fear Records uh, from 2016, uh, Neighbors, which features on vocals John Belushi. Nice. Yeah, he's saying he did a session with them. Very cool. But yeah, it's just it's wild. I guess the point of this show and stuff we kind of unearth, and, and again, thanks for <laughs> – our Norwegian correspondent for sending stuff as always. That's pretty exceptional. Um, that this Ravens record, I had no idea about, and I really am anxious to hear it now. Actually, it looks cool. So this, even this reissue, I've never seen weirdly or had it talked about, and that's not that old, really. Um, yeah, but yeah, it looks cool. Anyway, it's from mid sixties. It appears seems to be a garage rock thing. There's a little video as well. On I think that's just the song. Yeah, if you search Ravens, listen to me now, and 1965, you'll find it. Uh, but yeah, very cool. So that was a great uh, message for the first mailbag here. Yeah, and once again, proves my point. Goes to prove more the point that uh, punk rock drummers, working on getting the Jonah Ray one on so I can get all the living punk rock drummers. <laughs> Todd Berry, too. Todd Berry's band is fucking sick. Nice. The chant, they're sick. It is on Discogs as well, by the way. Yeah, but it's they're, just a reissue, right? Or no, it's the original. Well, they're the seventh Ravens entry. Yeah, that, uh, but that, that's just that 2001 yeah, it, reissue. It is the reissue. You're right. The original is not uh, in here, but yeah, I did find too it. Rare for the, too rare for the cogs. Yeah, <laughs> for the resource, yes. Uh, but yeah, next message here. What do we got? Uh, Dave it up. There you go. You want to take this one? Yeah, Dave apparently couldn't contain himself. And flipped out when I said that uh, I preferred Dag Nasty to DYS. And he said, as Ray today once said, fuck, I thought we were on the same fucking side. What the fuck? Dude, I like the butt <laughs> in insurance tricks at 40 seconds in more than any note in Dag Nasty. 
Um, but he says also exclaims a perfect label. So it's hard to rank those records. And then he was going back to listen to the podcast. Now that he got that off his chest, but like Dave, what can I say? I don't know. DYS is not my favorite of the exclaim catalog. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he also said more than fashion, maybe his favorite straight edge song, which you failed to mention. Oh, I, I did. Yeah. I forgot to mention that part of it too. That's all right. But that's a lot of people's favorite straight edge song. It's not mine. Yes. Mine's probably something <laughs> off the Brotherhood seven inch. Yeah, you you like you that's your pocket. That or confront, I think, is your <laughs> confront. Host. I like side two of the generation of hope comp. Yes, we've discussed that before. Yeah. That's that's Which my... for listeners, if you if you even know what that is, congratulations. If you know what I'm saying, you're on my level. <laughs> yes. I mean the weed level of edge break. But yes, one of the Daves, uh it Daves we know wrote in, thank you. Uh great message. Uh, also related to that, um, tear it up. We did mention played a reunion show a few weeks back. I saw some photos. They look great. So yeah, that was amazing. Uh, I saw some great photos too from that. Obviously we weren't there, but, um, I'm curious to, uh, even to see footage. I didn't look that up. I probably should have. I bet you there's footage. Anyway, the modern era. Someone's um, got something to do with next time they're on YouTube. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, the next message here we have, um, is subject is multiple vocalists back to this favorited subject of our show lately. Um, Michael writes in, uh, was thinking of multiple vocalists and mentions comeback kid. Mm-hmm. Who I think, did you mention that on the show before? I can't remember if you did. I don't know. I think I've mentioned it, but that's definitely a band where there is two very distinct vocalists, obviously. And, and but two like legit vocalists, they had a, you know, and are probably bigger now than that first run. But yeah. they were huge in that first run too when Scott was the vocalist. Yeah, agreed. And it's kind of funny. I always forget. It's no disrespect to anybody. I just don't really follow that group. So I don't, I always forget that they have a whole other era because I only really remember that first era. And they had so, Jesse from No Warning in the band for a while. Yeah, it's just wild. Like, so yeah, that does certainly count. Um, speaking to the argument of which is. How about this, Chris? Group. Urban Blight. Featured Liam from the Cancer Bats, which Initially, featured yes. members of Comeback Kid, which means now you are connected through shared members <laughs> to the Comeback Kid. Well, I think that's reaching. Uh, Liam was never an official member of Urban Blight. Uh, he was an officially on. He was officially on tour with me, Chris. So that counts. He was. He was. I'm not. Hey, no disrespect to Liam. <laughs> Liam's great. Where the line that you're connecting is actually ship X shipwreck X. Oh, that's true. And X that shipwreck X. Is- Liam was a member of that group as well as Beave, I believe, right? I think, yeah. Was Liam a member of X Shipwreck X? I'm pretty sure. I'm going to have to – I'm looking for my X Shipwreck X demo right now. <laughs> this is a, this is an obscure 2K Toronto uh, contemporary hardcore, so to speak, for the listeners who are very confused right now. Yeah, let's just move on from Shipwreck X. Shipwreck <laughs> yes. X. Not, not to be confused with the other Shipwreck. No, there's yeah, there's another one, but anyway, this this was only recorded a demo. It was a small group. Um, Most precious blood was another one he mentions, and again, I don't remember. I don't remember the the differentiation. I've only heard one of like those records, and I can't remember who sings on what. So, um, but yeah, that's another one he mentions. Rob Fisco, and then I can't remember who the other singer was. Yeah, I was just looking it up too, but there was also like this shift in. Um indecision and the indecision had two different vocalists right yeah but i thought it was the indecision dude went to most precious blood or i don't know I think there's a bunch of shared members right no 
Yeah. Oh my God. Now we're being exposed. <laughs> well, to be fair, my depth on indecision and uh, most precious blood is not super deep. <laughs> so, I love that first LP so much by indecision. I'm such that. No, I way, have no religion. No, no. I have no beef with it. I just am not. Didn't know it like at length. All right. As we search, Lauren would know. My wife, Lauren. Yes. Yes, your uh, your better half is certainly a fan. Yeah. Um. That nothing in vain. Okay, so nothing in vain. Does it show what the lineup is on that? Because that's the record I know. That's the first LP, but I don't know who sings on that one. Uh. Anyway, yeah. But yeah, Tom, the original one. vocalist who of Indecision sang in Most Precious Blood, but then was replaced by Rob. Okay, so right, he Tom went on, Sheehan. Because yeah. the Indecision guy is on the first LP then that I know of. Yeah. Yeah. And then it seems the Rob Fusco of what was it? He was the original one down. singer. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So that okay, that makes sense. But, Bloodless uh, Revenge is a sick, sick twelve-inch. Yep. Arguably the only—I mean, <laughs> again, all respect to, but I would say that that's the only one King Down to consider. But that's my cynical opinion. Uh, but yeah. Interesting. So there's another multiple one that we never thought of. Uh, and then this listener also mentions Disfear. I listened mostly to the last two LPs with Tom Thomas Lindbergh, but those early albums are really good. Again, this is funny. This is another band I've never really gotten into, like I'm aware of, but I've never really gotten into Disfear, to be fair. What, so is I don't Disfear, know. what are the last two records? I don't know. I think I'm being exposed for my age now with Disfear. Because um, I love all that early stuff. Oh, 2003 and 2008. Yeah, I remember when that... Actually, I don't even know if I was familiar with those records. Uh, Either way, so they have another replacement as well, it seems, vocally. I, I guess, like, the idea is, though, like, usually you have a preference for one or the other. Um, most groups, I would say, yeah, for me, I definitely... Even if I'm not, like, huge on the group, I would say this is a singer I would think of when I think of that band or what have you. Um, yeah, like these I, are groups yeah. I've never considered it for really, but, but yeah, it, it's certainly like comeback kid. I remember with the, the era of Scott as the vocalist. So that is what I would think of, but I just remember seeing them a bunch in that era. Um, and they played the Lex on fire a lot during that time period, right? No. Yeah, exactly. Like I saw, they just kind of came around and we sort of like the, the social circles meet a bit. So I was familiar with seeing that band a bunch. Um, most precious blood I only ever saw with that first guy as well from indecision. Um, I, I know never you, you didn't see him with that. Didn't they play that time? The last R war show that was with that guy, Rob singing. No, I'm pretty sure it was the indecision guy. Really? Pretty sure. Yeah. Um, I don't think I ever saw them with, with Rob Fusco. I don't think I've ever seen a Rob Fusco fronted band actually. Now you remember so that sick of it all show at the train at, uh, nope. Whoa. But I remember, yeah, they played. I, I always remember hearing about that, especially that show. But I've never seen, yeah, I never saw him sing for One King Down or anything. I never saw One King Down, actually, period. Yeah, so that's but, the only uh, time I saw One King Down was that time where they played yeah. with um, Strife, Sick of It All, and Trigger Happy. Yeah, the Shanghai, right, I believe? Club Shanghai. Yeah, the, the, the now long defunct. The now long defunct. Now, now the Club Shanghai is probably back to being... A storage room? I don't know what. 
I'm just going to say, like, I can't remember where it was. I don't know. That's nothing. It was above a grocery store on Spadina. Yeah, but that hasn't been made into a condo or anything, right? No. No, it's still a grocery store on the on the ground floor. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe there's some sort of nightclub still above it. But yeah, it was definitely a uh, a weird venue. <laughs> no, like a weird. Yes. <laughs> a um, weird place to this hang. listener brings up a a really good point to to come here that that will make us uh, probably go in a little wormhole here. Um, mentions if we're familiar with. Um, the prank records list of best '90s DIY hardcore, the top 100. It's almost like a, a sort of a companion to the idea of the Pusshead one from Thrasher, or what have you. Yeah. Or was that in Thrasher? I can't remember where. Oh, that it was featured. Thrasher. Flip yeah, side? it was. It was a Pusshead thing, I think. Yeah. So this one here is uh, who compiled this one? Uh, Timbuktu. Oh no, Prank. So it'd be Ken from Prank. Yeah, I just don't know if it was actually him. It doesn't credit. I'm just looking. Anyway, there's 100 records here. There's a, a, um, a link that we will put up, but prankrecords.blogspot.ca, best of the 90s, or sorry, best of 90s DIY hardcore top 100. And Damien is already, what made you laugh so hard? I, I, like, I, like, I like inhumanity, but I don't know if they're number two. <laughs> I like that. That's what that's what did it. Um, but there's definitely some on here I really like. Yeah, there's Humanity definitely some stuff. But like a judgment, no reason why. I fucking love judgment, but I don't know if I put him in number one. I don't know if I'd put that above crossed out personally either. But crossed out's four. It's not far off. The Sarah Mila um, seven inch is fucking incredible. I don't know if it's number fifteen though. Um. <laughs> You know, cop out's incredible, uh, but I don't know if I could say I like it more than his hero's gone. Um Talk is poison that though is is pretty undeniable. Um nice view. That's awesome. Number thirty. Definitely agree. But like I don't think the nice view seven inch is better than word as law by neurosis. Uh but that's why I love these fucking lists. Oh, in no order. Okay, it says in no order in big bold print at the top. I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, it's just place. Okay, so your whole laughing <laughs> doesn't work. Yeah, but yeah. Um, but like, why would that even be number? Like, like, oh well, I gotta have it in humanity. Uh, the nutty anarchist, uh, antichrist, sorry, LP. I gotta have that in there, no matter what. It's there's some interesting choices for some of the like the spaz thing, like the spaz record number thirty eight. I don't know if Which that's one the one it? I would choose. Yeah. Yeah, definitely Spaz would be on my list, but you're right. Like, is that the one I'd want? I don't know if I've ever heard this Gather LP. I got to listen to this. I love Flat Earth Records at number 44. Um, yeah, it's the Cono Christ. Yeah, you're brought up on the show before. Integrity. Wasn't it the Econocrite? Um, what what yeah. was the story there? You brought that came up on someone's episode. I want to say it was, or am I think Casey? Yeah, Casey's. And didn't that didn't that the 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 person from that band reach out or something? I can't remember. There was yeah, some Ben story reached there. out, and and I was in communication with him, and I'm still kind of waiting to go out to the Bay Area. But he says he wants to come on the show, and believe me, my God, when that happens, oh my God, will that be a, an amazing episode? 
<laughs> nice. Wow, this is actually an incredible list. Yeah, it Field, is. Okay. See, that's the thing. Like, like you know, here's Field of Darkness buried in there. I know it's, like, not in order and stuff, but wow. Let's feel the darkness at poor 79. <laughs> well, even Bastard Wind of Pain is 60. <laughs> would you count 90, though, as being 90s? Or would you count it up well, to 2000? Because I would like, I'd say, almost yeah, like say 91 a... to 2000. Well, they have Citizens Arrest on here, too, at 90. Yeah, there's, I don't know. It's interesting. Because if you cut out the I 90, it the... makes it a lot more difficult. It's true. That is a, a good in, a imaginary line there to to draw i suppose but i don't know at 90 it counts i don't know um wait yeah, is 800 not on this too. i don't see it on this which is kind oh, of that, funny okay this damien is broken. Are, damien's taking issue <laughs> no, it's just broken it just doesn't it's like oh okay well sorry we found we found the fatal flaw in your list okay the list is now invalid completely <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm looking at this and i don't think there's a few Cleveland omissions on here that I would probably have put on. I'm trying to see if any of these. I don't. I'm like I think I saw Penny, There's no Pennywise full circle. There's no uh, Punk and Drublick. Um, <laughs> I'm not seeing. That's definitely not. Yeah, Dude, I'm not seeing can... a single strung out record on here. <laughs> All that's fine by me, but what I'm saying is that that's the Pennywise record you're going to cite. There's no way that's the one you're citing. I do think that's the definitive version of Brohim, though. Yes, I agree with you there, but that that to me is not. No, the that's not like like obviously you know like Pennywise. We all we all have our preferences, you know, for for eras and things like that. But you know, I think for me, that's the era where uh, I don't know. Like I think that to me would be the era that I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> this that conversation has nothing to do with this list, Chris. <laughs> True. <laughs> for a Pennywise conversation uh, for another time. Yeah. Gordon Soley is on here. I do not see the H100s. No. I don't even see nine shocks on here. Well, I'm more shocked about no H100s, but you're right. No, there should be nine shocks too. Um, there is I like so much shock. hate being on here, though. And Union of Uranus. Some Canadian yeah. content. Yeah, um, it's And Disphere, speaking of Disphere. No nine shocks. No, yeah. There's a few omissions, but it's a pretty good list. There's a there's a few people who are chiming in in the comments that of this that have some points too. Um, possessed well, they, they have some points back in 2012. Oh yeah, aspirin feast police beat <laughs> would definitely be on mine. Yeah. Anyway, it's an interesting list. So for the listeners that are so inclined, uh, take a look at it. I'm sure. If you want, if you reach out about this, we still need to make our what, what were we doing again? A hundred? We were, were doing the pus head one style where we were going to choose yep. the top hundred. Yeah, but we still got to do that for the hundred episode, Chris. We will. Yeah, I'm thinking that at the rate we're going, we'll probably do these things for like end of the year, maybe. That probably yeah, maybe. works if that works for you. Yeah, yeah um, probably. But I can't. What was our restriction on that? What was the what was the year restriction? Was it only 80s? It was 80s, or just yeah. ever. It was 80s. I think okay. it was 80s. And then we're going to do, now we got to do a 90s one. Yeah. Either way, very cool. This list is interesting. There's some stuff on here. We found a few omissions. I'm sure there's some other stuff that if I really sat here. Oh, Nine Shocks is on here. It's at 89. Apologies. Um, it doesn't matter. No H100s, Chris. 
<laughs> that is true, and that is not on here. Uh, that's an interesting choice because I would definitely choose H100s over Gordon Soli, uh if I did. Me too. Did I would pick H100s over every, ever, just about anything. <laughs> yes. Well, that's your favorite, isn't it? From, probably from my that face. era. Probably my face. But which one are you putting on? The first single? Dismantle. Yeah, the first one. Yeah, but uh, like I like the other records, but Dismantle is like the the one, you know, one of the greatest pieces of art ever made in America. <laughs> you know, I Maybe mean, I mean, good. like you know, I'm holding back when I say that, but you know, you've long felt that way. You used to have the tirade memorized, uh, I think, where you would talk about that. <laughs> Chris, anyway. the show is far too long already to have me going down that road. Yes, I don't want you to do it, but I'm just, it was, uh, always amuses me. So, uh, next email you can take. Uh, oh, sorry, this person also lastly just said something you can break down on an episode where maybe you can come up with top 100 of the 2000s. Uh, I like that idea. I don't know if I could find 100, <laughs> but uh, um, there are definitely some good ones. Yeah, like I think, I don't know, it's hard to. Hard to see them now. Like, I think you need almost like 10 years to kind of get away from it to kind of get it. But I guess we've had, you know, we're close, getting close to 10 years. Yeah, agreed. I think what I would say, though, is I think there's the the strong stuff for the 2000s is really strong for me. So I would say it might battle out a lot of that 90s stuff for sure, even though there's great 90s stuff. But I think 2000s is like. It, like 90s it's like about finding out hidden gems like obviously yeah. japan 90s japan is like 90s japanese wrestling in japan it's perfect <laughs> yes. but like you know taking japan out of the equation you know it's it, there there aren't as many great bands in the 90s as i think there were in the 2000s i think people understood hardcore on a dna level a little bit better in the 2000s yeah Agreed. I fully agree to that point. Sonically. But uh, anyway, so yeah, totally. So maybe we will uh, delve into that at some point as well. But uh, great email. Thank you for Mm -hmm. writing in, Michael. Um, Next email is yours, my friend. Uh, James D. has written in with several points. We don't have time to get to all of them. But one thing he does want to find out is uh, he has a question in regards to, did I gift Justin, a.k.a. DFJ, a.k.a. the... uh, Craig Ferguson of Boston's heart, Boston hardcore in the late nineties, early two thousands, the utility guy of drummers. Um, he wanted to know if it was true that I gifted him a follow through varsity straight edge jacket a few years back. And he wants to know where and how did I acquire this jacket? My incredible wife, Lauren bought it for me as a gift one day and, uh, gave it to me before we were married back when I was straight edge. And I think she bought it off eBay off Craig Mack, who the original owner, singer of Follow Through. And I love Follow Through. I've got a lot of records yeah. there. So my <laughs> wife decided to give it to me. Um, and, you know, when I broke Straight Edge, uh, DFJ asked if he could buy the jacket off me. And he, he's been so awesome and giving me great records in the past. And, you know, I've been pretty lucky and been given a lot of cool stuff. So I gifted it to him and figure. You know, he he would get a lot more straight edge pride wearing it than I would at that point in my life, or at this point in my life for that matter. So <laughs> that is the story on that jacket. Um and yeah, I think uh 
I think, uh, you know, we should probably move on. Oh, he also suggested we get Vinny Paz from Jedi Mind Tricks on the show um, because of the hardcore connection. Yeah, Vinny Paz, uh, you know, he brings up the fact that he sang a breakdown cover on a Terror 7-inch and he, that he had seen him at a couple of hardcore gigs before. But I think also, if I'm not mistaken, Vinny Paz has like a couple of songs that drop hardcore references, right? I don't know. I, I don't. That's a group I never really paid a great deal of attention okay. to. But yeah, wouldn't surprise me. And also, Necro has some songs where he references hardcore bands and metal bands, certainly. So I don't know. There's definitely a connection in that scene. They're out there, yeah. Uh, you know, there's a funny thing is RJ from Sexfit, um, aka the greatest future guest of the show ever. When we, when I do finally record <laughs> that, who I also should say has opened a skateboard shop, but Daybreak Records, the Daybreak Records, sorry, skateboard shop, a record store, uh, Daybreak Records in Seattle, right? Yep. Um, check that store out, support them, uh, go in and talk to RJ. He played in some incredible bands and is a, a genius when it comes to this music game, but he, he started writing graffiti back in the day and would write graffiti with like Necro. And like Aesop Rock and I'm sure Vinny Paz and all those dudes like like just as like a Long Island graffiti kid back in the day. Huh. So it runs deep with this punk rock hardcore connection stuff. Here we've connecting Sexfit to uh Jedi Mind Tricks. <laughs> that is not one I would have ever expected to connect. So yeah, good on Yeah, you. maybe it wasn't maybe Nec- Cage. He definitely knew Cage back in the day writing graffiti. But anyway, know. and and Aesop Rock as well. Uh, and Aesop Rock also uh, used to do music with uh, and be uh, married to our guest next week on the show, Allison Baker. Really? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. She, he was an original member of Dirty Ghosts. Huh. Dirty, Dirty Ghosts are her, her her band now. Cool. When they were together and stuff, but yeah, like so, it's it's amazing how connected all this shit is. Yeah. Anyway, Chris, the music. You should t- you should take us away. I'm, you should take me away before I'm getting I'm getting <laughs> caught in like a a record stuck in a groove. Okay. Well, uh, infamous correspondent Dave Martin uh, wrote in, and as per usual, he has some very interesting uh, things to mention. But uh, he sent in a couple of messages, so we're going to kind of amalgamate really quick because I just found another one he had sent that has some cool stuff in it. If you scroll through the foot. Through the photos, um, Damon, I don't know if you're seeing those, but uh, mm-hmm. um, there was a non-Toronto direct action, which I wasn't aware of, that were from Pittsburgh or Greensburg, PA, he says here, pardon me, uh, Pittsburgh area. Um, he mentioned that uh, Jonah set him straight on the uh, on the differentiation, but uh, he sent mm-hmm. in a photo of that group, which we'll maybe put up at the, the I don't know which member, but they're wearing a Doughboy shirt, which is kind of cool. And it looks like it's probably from, I don't know, early 90s, late 80s, 90s. Anyway, uh, but the other thing he mentioned here, he sent in a flyer with has a no effects show where he bought the copy of PMRC can suck on this or can suck this. No, suck on this. That's right. Um, anyway, it was. Uh, Which is yeah, a crazy lineup on that flyer. Yeah, and it's got no effects, half life, direct action, but that's the not obviously Canadian direct action, but. Uh, battered citizens and, and battered citizens. Yeah, the bottom. Uh, I think that that's What's dance the, land. Well, that's, I think that's the name of the venue. Okay, the venue. Gotcha. It looked like a band thing, but okay. But, but that uh, band, yeah, battered citizens, was on Overkill Records. 
I'm not familiar with them. So what's the story there? I think it's is it Batman is the Overkill record. Now I got to look this up. This is the this is always the uh, the problem. But ba- <laughs> ba- it was if I'm not mistaken, they've got this seven inch with a really sick graffiti front font flyer front cover. But um, yeah, they're just like uh, you know one of those bands that like All right, well, early let's see 90s. Here. Did you check the resource? I'm trying to get to it. My internet's running very slow right now. It's okay. I'll look here. Let me see. You said Police Brutality is the seven inch, right? Or sorry, album? Yeah. Yeah, Overkill yeah. Records. Rolling with the Punches on Overkill Records from 89. And yeah, there's a few versions of it, like a variation. But yeah, you're right. It does have a graffiti cover. Yeah, that that Your Overkill Records was ra- was Ron from Brotherhood's label, lead singer of Brotherhood's label. Ah, okay, cool. Um, but but yeah, Battered Systems the roll with the punches. Overkill '89. It's not an expensive record there. Um, no, not at all. But Overkill Records also put out Integrity stuff. They put out uh, Intent to Injury. That's one of my favorite '90s obscure deep cut labels for putting out like kind of an incredible run of hardcore bands. Yeah. It does have a cool little list of stuff. I have the undertow seven inch, I believe. Yeah. Undertow five. Yeah. I think I have that. I'm pretty sure it's pretty bad when you have records. You're not aware of if you have or not <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, very cool. Uh, cool thing that we went on a tangent there, but Dave sent in that uh, great photos. Hopefully we'll throw them up on the Tumblr or what have you. Facebook, all that business. But um, the rest of the message, you you want to take the second half of this that has some of the uh, other points he was making? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I wanted to just say that uh, he brought up some a lot of uh, points, but he brought up one point in particular, which is uh, uh, Lungfish. Uh, have been listening to them a lot recently. Discord reissued Sound in Time which I never had, and I bought that and then have been making a point of listening to a few other albums that I don't have on Spotify. Has there ever been a more perfect post-hardcore band? Chris, I put that to you first. <laughs> uh, all due respect, yes. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I, I, Lungfish are fine. I've never gotten hugely into them, to be fair. I think this is where Dave and I diverge a bit taste-wise because Dave seems to be very huge on DC, and that's great. I just don't don't find the late – like I love Fugazi like he does, but Lungfish is one of those ones I never really got into. However, a band with those connections, uh, but arguably more represented by I think Chicago than DC, even though I think they came from DC, is Girls Against Boys. And I love that band. So that band for me is a more perfect post-hardcore band. I don't know if they could be described as that though. Uh, either really i guess you might mm-hmm. go with uh what was their band before that i always forget uh soul side was that soul was side yeah yeah anyway yeah i don't don't like soul side as much as girls but that to me is one i don't know i i'm i'm sort of failing in my tired mind right now can't think of one but i would say there's probably others i could i could think of quicksand quicksand yeah like drive like jehu i would say those kind of bands but um lungfish are great i just never really like Never immersed myself enough to have that uh, same uh, love that Dave has. But uh, it's funny that he wrote this in. Yeah, he wrote this in, I guess, after hearing the the recent episode. Mm -hmm. But uh, because Jeff, yeah, Jeff mentions Lungfish. That's right. Um, 
so either way, it kind of fits into this week's narrative anyway. But yeah, cool band. Yeah, like what, I what think they're they're from? definitely a band that there's like a cult around in a big way. And well, I think if I'm, I, I was, sorry, go on. no, no, go on. If if I think like, had you ever seen Lungfish? Uh yeah, I must have, and I and I'm just trying to remember which show. But they, I'm trying to remember when they played Toronto. I, I, never, I don't know. I've never seen them. I think if I was sort of in the proximity where they were playing, maybe I would have been more enamored with uh, their records. But from an outside perspective and kind of getting into sort of the more arguably marquee, whatever, DC Discord kind of stuff, they were always one that I sort of put on the back shelf in terms of like getting into. I have one of the LPs. should probably look it up now. And it's decent, but it's again, it's just not a record that I've ever like fallen head over heels with. But my tastes are just not as much with this sort of thing as a lot of other people's would be. So that's it's on me. The only record I have is Sound and Time, I believe, from '96, mm-hmm. which is a decent record. But uh, I don't have any of the earlier stuff. Thought I had one other one, maybe two. Anyway, uh, but yeah, cool band. Um, I don't know enough about them in great detail to sort of elaborate, but I like that Dave loves this stuff so much. Um, but yeah, I'm curious. So the lungfish stuff. So what, uh, is there any record that you are particularly fond of or no? I'm like, as I say, like I'm not as much in, as a member of the cult as, as I think other <laughs> people are. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to load the resource to see which one I own. I own two and I just can't get my resource to even load right now. By resource, I mean okay. the Discogs, but the internet is, is, is messing with us tonight, Chris. What's insane is I did not realize this band had, let me just count them here, five, ten, looks like, looks to be about 12 LPs, which is crazy. Yeah, they've got tons. I didn't know they had that many. I thought they might have had five or six, but 12, that is insane. One dating up to 2012 even, that's wild. Um, but yeah, so I only have... Sort of that whatever, I don't even know if you could call it mid-period anymore, but that 96 record. So that's kind of like, I don't know if they became more realized at that point, but it's a decent record. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any of those singles, though. I'm trying to see if I have any of that stuff or like EPs or whatever. But no, I don't have any of that stuff either. Yeah, cool band. I don't know. Dave can elaborate more and, and uh, teach us about them. I Oh, wow. Okay, they're from Baltimore. I didn't know, I never knew that. Yeah, like it's it's a like remember that guy from Trapped Under Ice? It's, it's his dad's band. Really? I never yeah, knew like that the, connection. That's what the, the main dude. It's like the one of the guys, like one of the first dudes in Trapped Under Ice, the guy who left to think the band early on. Wow, I never knew that either. Crazy. I remember that he painted the cover of one of their first seven inches or that first seven inch. Ah, yes, the Stay Cold record, I think. Yeah, that's a cool record. Yeah. I like Trapped Under Ice. Good band. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, cool. So there's another uh, – there's more to that message we want to go into or are we going to flip over to the, the next one? No, we flip over to the next one. All right, cool. Um, what else? Unless there's anything you want to go into, but I, I think that was for good for me. Well, the Skate Rock comp thing with that was interesting. Oh, yeah, like uh, Skate Rock. I didn't even really skate, but it, uh, but it's massively connected to punk and hardcore. Uh, that I worry that it's not acknowledged enough by the sport, um, or maybe it is. I just don't pay enough attention. The folks behind the tape label Loki have also been doing 
been booting various things on cassette, like some of the Kill by Death volumes and tapes of various wrestlers' best bits. Oh, that was... <laughs> yeah. Works they just did a tape of Skate Rock 4, which is a weird one. Skate Master Tape, Cargo Cult, Scram. Um, yeah, <laughs> so Scram. Yeah. I'm trying to remember that Scram band. Oh, my internet's working again. Amazing. There you go, buddy. Okay. Now I'm going to look at the Scram band. Because I think yeah. that's a band I'm thinking of. Skate Rock 4. There's like multiple covers for this one. Oh, yeah, this is really weird. Steve Caballero's got a solo song on it. McShred. Is it McShred or McRad? Uh, no, definitely not thinking of Scram. No, McShred. <coughs> Sorry, weird. this is one on this one. Oh, it's also got Tupelo uh, Chainsex on it, who I have a 7-inch by. They've got a bunch of LPs on Smegma Records. Yeah, well, this is a really weird comp. This is where they were just like, yeah, let's, like, <laughs> uh, I guess this thing's about skateboarding. <laughs> I like that the skate rock rap is the opening track. <laughs> I actually have that, uh, what is that LP? That Skate Master Tate first LP I have, A Way of Life, um, from 88. And it's horrible and has a terrible yeah. cover. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> I don't know if I have it for posterity even at this rate, but uh, it's those interesting records that you'll find every now and again. Anyway, uh, what is the next message here? I'll go into it. Uh, what do we got from Josh? Um, so I know the interview with Jeff Rowley brought up resurgence of DC hardcore. Can you hit on some of those bands? Kind of ironic that we just were taught Lungfish. Always looking for a good new listen. Also, uh, Cotel that subject. Have you guys in footnotes thought about discussing starting new finds, new slash new releases section on the podcast? Always looking for new stuff, and it seems to be a lot. Seems to, sorry, seems to be like your recommendations. Uh, one new one for me. The new against me shapeshift with me. Thanks. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. Do we, we don't discuss a lot of stuff that often, do we, Dean? No, it's kind of. I, I don't know how. You know, like, I don't, I shouldn't speak for you, Chris, but how informed I am at this point to talk about a lot of the new bands that are popping up. Like, I definitely hear stuff and I love a lot of new stuff. Like, um, what's that band? There's like Turnstile, that band that just toured with Triage from DC. What are they called? Fuck. Pure Disgust, uh, maybe, or? Maybe, maybe. Um, and then, of course, Give, who've been around now for quite a few years and kind of, I guess, are elder states people of that kind of scene. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other bands. Uh, doesn't there, is there a new like '86 Mentality band? Um, well, there was bands that the individuals went on to. Like, there was a band called the Neocons, which one of them went on to, and then there was another one called Semper Edom. But I don't know if the Neocons, I believe, are, are broken up. Uh, I don't know about the Semper Edom if they ever really kind of did anything beyond a demo, but the demo was great. Um. Mm -hmm. Neocons are great too. Uh, Neocons was the drummer of '86, fronting a band. Um, good stuff. But um, I'm trying to find. Yeah, Red Death is another band that is making a lot of waves right now. Um, so you're trying to find. 
No, I was just trying to find like the easiest resource. We already talked about it, but like looking at even what's coming up on Not Dead Yet, that festival is usually a good. There's some interesting stuff in Toronto, which actually speaks to the like yeah. uh, your your bandmate made that article for Vice recently that mentioned a few groups. Um, like triage is great. We've talked about VCR, I think, on this show before. I think they're really good. Uh, I think they're broken up apparently, inch. but ah, uh, sucks. That seven yeah. inch is incredible, and the, the LP is they have an LP too that's really good. Yeah, triage um, is fantastic. The boys are amazing. I still um, haven't heard that band yet. I got to hear them. They played on the weekend. Actually, I almost did go to a show this weekend. I didn't <laughs> didn't end up making it, but yeah, they were. I went to with the intention of going to see them. Another new band I like, which I will shout out because they're pals of mine, and I think they're incredible. Is Wildside. And uh, I recommend anyone who likes contemporary hardcore to check them out. They're exceptional live as well. So that's a new band I really like, although I am admittedly biased. Um, Pure Pressure, yeah, that's another good local one. I don't know. There's Yeah, there's always new stuff. There's another, like, I don't know. There's always stuff that's kind of I like, but it's just a matter of if it's something that I can think of at the time. So covering new stuff is a little tricky. Like there's a lot of different, like we, we could basically do a whole show of just new stuff. I think there are a little bit mm-hmm. of other resources out there that probably would be a better. Yeah. Like um, Max Rock and Roll. Yeah. MRR or even, um, anyway, just stuff like that. I'm sure we will talk about new groups here and there. And, and of course, hopefully Damien will get interviews with, People over the you know over the years that will be more like contemporary of you now and again, but um, yeah, he and I more <laughs> we have more. Uh, I don't know what the word is. I like a lot of contemporary groups, but I my, find my tastes generally are like you know kind of old guy tastes where I'm just sort of more into like listening to older records. It's not because they're better necessarily, but uh, I just that's where I'm at sensibility wise. Yeah, like. You- you know, and I think this show is, is, you know, we get hit up all the time. People are like, oh, can you talk about our band on the show? Can you talk about this on the show? And it's like, it's not that we don't want to support what's happening now, but I think for the way this show works, it's so much easier to contextualize stuff that's past. Um, you know, but, but, you know, like I definitely want, you know, more gr- guests like Greg and Charday and even younger people on as well, just because I think it is, it's amazing how, how, you know, the scene, the scene still kind of has vital new bands that are cut off from the old bands and kind of keeps happening. Yeah, agreed. Totally. But I mean, nowadays, too, to be fair, like even like we mentioned, the Jonah Vice article has a, has a good mention of some local bands in Toronto, at least. Um, there's a lot of that you'll find now if you look hard enough. I, I'm flattered to think that perhaps people care that what you and I think to the point where we want to talk about new groups and maybe that would sway people's opinions. But at the same time, I kind of like that. Um, not that we're not putting any vote behind a certain band, but I think, you know, just looking at new stuff yourself, like my sensibilities are probably not going to be the same as yours and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. best to just kind of go with your own gut on that one. Um, but having said that, yeah, we'll probably mention bands here and here and there every now and again. Yeah, absolutely. We, it, it does come up. We slip them in. Those are the Easter eggs. In the show. <laughs> yeah, eventually when we have time to... Sorry, what's up? No, I was going to say, if you make it to the end of the show, we'll have a we'll have a pick for you at the end of the eighth hour of this thing. <laughs> we did used to, way at the beginning of this, we actually did used to have like a check out a group thing, and we stopped doing Yeah. 
doing that. Um, but yeah, so there's moments. If you go over the hundred hours of conversation that Damien have had, <laughs> I'm sure there's some new ones to pick out. But yeah, um, I don't know. It's anyway cool email. Um, yeah, we probably don't talk about enough new stuff, but we do every now and again, and we try. And I definitely uh, constantly seek it out and do go see new bands all the time. To be fair, but uh, we don't often discuss a lot of them on here because it just t- tends not to come up topic wise. Anyway, mm-hmm. and that's the last message. All right, so on to this week's episode. Jeff Rowley. Chris, were you a fan of... I like Jeff Rowley. Um, or sorry, were you a fan of what? Yeah, I cut you off. Well, I was going to say, him, like <laughs> his skateboarding, his video game persona, or... Uh, well, it's interesting. So to contextualize this from my perspective, I do like Jeff Rowley. Jeff Rowley, to me, represented... Um, sort of me liking skateboarding again in a certain regard because I was sort of alienated with it. Not alienated with it. I was sort of uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Not interested in it for a minute. Mm-hmm. I, I did it when mm-hmm. I was young, liked it, and then it sort of became a little uh, like direction – like you kind of touched on it in the interview. Punk sort of got out of skateboarding basically. Um, it never really did firmly but it did sort of trend-wise and I was at the former – of years where I wasn't seeing like the punk rockness that I enjoyed about skateboarding anymore. So I yeah, kind it was of like the Muska era. Yes, it's the, perfectly stated. The yeah. Chad Muska so era. Yeah, yeah. You had that. You had just uh, any of that, like Osiris shoes, and there's no there's no beef with any of these companies. Yeah, but just no. did not have my sensibilities. And even like there was always again, always like you know streetwear um, companies or things that always liked. You know, if not punk, like like hip hop stuff that I always liked, but it just there became like a weird shift where you know the pants were just way too big and the wheels were way too small for my liking, mm-hmm. um, which is not a hip hop thing inherently, but it just it was just a weird time in skateboarding. So uh, rally, I think, came to prominence sort of just after that, uh, at least as far as I knew. And when I started to kind of know him was when I sort of was. Like more um, interested, his flip. I think he mentions flip in the interview. I believe it was flip yes. that he does, or he was definitely on the team. If not, did anyway. I that think he was a co-owner. Cool. Yeah, yeah. That that sort of they started bringing back this sort of little um, one of the companies that were sort of bringing back what I liked about sort of the '80s nod to skateboarding or what have you, uh, and the sort of the punk rock thing or whatever. However you want to say that, I'm generalizing, mind you. Um, but yeah, so I did, I did like him, but I didn't have the same experience as a lot of people did where, you know, they remember him from the video game and they knew like that, that sort of thing. I didn't really have that. I, I kind of I have friends who are very interested in skateboarding. So I kind of keep up passively and, mm-hmm. uh, they would just would hit me to things like, you know, that vi- like the videos he would do or parts, but he's an, he was a great, well, not was, he is a great skateboarder, but certainly in his prime was, was, uh, was excellent. Yeah. Yeah, like I think he, for me, he was definitely like you said. There was a point where, you know, like you knew Mike Vallely, like punk, but there was almost like this distance between. I remember seeing a skateboarding shirt or, or for sale in a skateboarding magazine that was like "Punk's not dead, it just sucks now." And I always thought it'd be cool if someone made a skateboarding <laughs> version of it because I just didn't, you know, like at the time was just not agreeing with a, like not agreeing, but like just like didn't identify with a lot of the people involved in skateboarding. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, Jeff came out and he was, you know, repping punk and, 
you know, definitely seemed a lot more of a like kind of like that sort of street vibe that I was like a fan of, you know, when I first got into skateboarding as like a fan. Like, and I was never like the deepest head, but I certainly loved it. And, you know, like seeing his parts and seeing him and kind of like, you know, like knowing that he was like kind of down with punk rock and always repping it was, you know, something that I thought was super cool. And, uh, yeah, no, finally getting to meet him, uh, a couple years ago, I, and I, you know, when I met him in person and just like, here he is putting on this, setting up this free skate park for kids, you know, and I was just, he, he really was that guy and he really does, you know, try and live it. And, you know, like there's stuff he said in this interview that obviously musically, you know, like I don't necessarily feel the same way about some of the music he feels really strongly about and, you know, some of the music he dislikes, I do like, but at the same time, like here's someone who really believes in the transformative power of this music and, and really believes it's important. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think the point um, as well that I'd like to make is I think people like, like his, um, cause he became very, very popular, which you allude to in the interview. Um, and I was sort of was taken aback by that because he was one of these, for me again, kind of tastemaker skateboarders who, kind of like he wasn't the sole guy but he was one of these people that made it cool to like i don't know like punk again or what have you in skateboarding like like that like you never would have seen a video like flip videos or um trying to think of all the companies like even anti-hero stuff like that wouldn't have been as in vogue uh if skateboarders like him hadn't gotten popular for whatever reason um, so mm-hmm. it's kind of cool to see. And again, this is me, my, my like great association with skateboarding is not like heavy. So if there's any like real skaters out there, I'm sure you would take exception to some things I'm saying here, but, uh, from my out- outsider perspective, uh, that's the way I kind of saw it. So I saw younger people getting into him and like getting like having his van shoes and stuff and, and then like that video game thing. But he was always like, yeah, a guy that was sort of like a punk skater as opposed to, like you said, like Muska. And again, no diss to Muska. Muska seems like an all right guy, actually. Yeah, but, like I, I've um, played shows that he's been on and stuff, and I'd never had any, you know, I never witnessed any sort of insane, horrible behavior on his part. But I think, you know, it was more like, you know, it's like that Sloan thing. It's not the band I hate, it's the fans. And it's more like the kids <laughs> yes, that started exactly. to emulate him. Yeah, it just it, it represented a different thing. I think it's funny that you experienced that too, because I. But it must have just been so prevalent in the era. Like, I guess if you weren't interested in skateboarding at all, maybe you you wouldn't have experienced this or, or whatever skateboarding in the mid to late nineties. But um, yeah, I certainly did, and and I don't know. So it is kind of funny. So he's someone I have a va- like I, I have a passing uh, familiarity with, with Jeff Raleigh, That is, but. I acknowledge that he was was certainly one of these people that I took notice of enough to to see as like one of these sort of uh, you know tastemaker kind of guys or, or guys that sort of pushed it in a direction I wanted things to go again mm-hmm. uh, selfishly. <laughs> anyway, mm-hmm. uh, so let's let's no let's dive into the, this week's episode. Uh, do you want to go first or should I, Chris? Um, whatever. If you take one, then I'll go off. Uh, I guess I'm going to start with Probe Records. Have you ever been to Probe? <laughs> I have not. It's in Liverpool, right? Yeah, it's in Liverpool. And it's it, I, we went there the first time, first show we ever played was in Liverpool, as I keep bringing up over and over again. Um, but it is it is definitely like one of those places that, as you know, Jeff says, has moved around a lot, but is so important to the history of Liverpool 
punk and culture and music and everything. I think even we have brought this up on this show before, but I don't remember why it came Robbie up. Brookside. Robbie Brookside episode? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Absolutely. It came up on Robbie Brookside's episode. It is, it is like one of those places that, you know, I think even if you asked a kid who got into punk, maybe, you know, as recently as a few years ago, they would still have saying that played an important role at some point in their life. I think. Yeah, it's a cool. I'm just looking up photos here. There's cool online of it. It's a good looking. Yeah. Store. Um, but yeah, no, I've never been because I've never been to Liverpool, so I've never been to Probe. Really, you had, Urban Light never did Liverpool on those tours. No, never did Liverpool. Never oh. did. I've, I will go one day, and I've just yeah have not made it for whatever bizarre reason to that city, and that's probably a, a, a shame of me. But yeah, I have never made it there. <laughs> well, no, it is it is one of those cities that you know as comes up later in this episode, people from Liverpool love Liverpool in a way. <laughs> yes, that you know, like it's just like it's 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 almost inspiring. It's like. It's like the love of Hamilton. Like, and I'm talking about people that were born in Hamilton, Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, people have for Hamilton, but on Reut's. <laughs> like, true. It's just so much more amplified the love for Liverpool. Yes. That people have. It's a pretty infamous city for a variety of reasons. But yeah, uh, I think the interview expresses that well. I think he seems to definitely really like it still, even though he doesn't live there, as far as I know. But, yeah. Um, like he's talking, because he's, he lives, he's you, talking you, like he was going to move back any day now, basically. Wow. Because you, you met him, I would assume, in California, right? Yeah, like he lives in Long Beach now, and I'm sure he's very happy with his life there. But like when you to hear him talk, it sounds like he wants to pick up and go back as soon as he <laughs> yeah. can. Like he's just like <laughs> it's just like, like it just you know the love of this place just oozes through. Yeah, totally. But I, it's it's too bad I don't have any familiarity with the city, so I can't relate. But um, related to Probe Records, though, was it like a, do they do shows there too, or is just a record store as is? I don't know if they did shows there. I don't think like they you've ever never did. played it think, though. You've just been. No, 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 no. We've always played like weird nightclubs in Liverpool or that kind of hippie market that he described. We played a show in one of those one time. Um, yeah, never gotten to play. Play. I think we played at the Quiggins, which he actually mentioned, which has been torn down since. I think we played a show there even. Um, but cool. yeah, it's, it, it, Probe was just somewhere that we had to go just because it's one of those spots that comes up time and time again. Yeah. And the, the auxiliary question to that, I guess, um, did you score or anything at it ever? I don't think so because I don't think they have used records anymore. I think it's one of those stores. Ah, I might be mistaken okay. on this, but they might have not had anything that I was looking for at the time. And maybe they have fire other times, but I don't think I've ever scored any great records in Liverpool. No, that's not true. I got the Leicester compilation, like a, a compilation of punk bands from Leicester the first time we were there at some other record store. But I don't think it was Probe. <laughs> cool all right but yeah probe i don't have any experience with so i can't uh, elaborate for you i wish i could i definitely will visit if i go though i will say that much yeah like it's just one of those places that i think it's amazing that you know you see that a lot more in england but these these institutions of punk that still kind of like loom large like i guess rough trade being another example of something like that 
Yeah, totally. I've I've been there, even to the original store. Yeah, and then they've got the new one too, which is huge. Yeah. Huge and very nice. I've been to both, yeah. But the uh yeah, I guess you're right. I don't know why do you think that is there more? I think it's just like we you know, it kind of comes back to there's sort of this you know, uh deep love of history and like looking back and canonization of like, you know, the great works of English literature and stuff like that. And you see it in Canada, but it's it's it feels a lot more forced here. I guess. And, and maybe like people just don't do it with music in the same way. And because of that, there's not really, you know, an active preservation of culture. Maybe and all, maybe it's not, there's enough population. I don't know. Good question, but you don't really see it here in the same yeah, way. Yeah, it's true. And when you think of these, like whatever, uh, well-established kind of stores, they tend to be very long lasting in Britain from my experience, as opposed to, so here, I guess rotate. You know, rotate. Here, this has been around now for like what, like agreed twenty some odd years, thirty years maybe, twenty years. Yeah, it's been a while for sure. So there's a few. Anyway, I don't know. We're just going off on a little tangent there, but uh, that was your point. Unless you wanted to elaborate more on probe, but I no, think no, go, go on. Here. Cool. Uh, music and skateboard videos. And yes, that's the point I like to go on, and particularly because again, you and I I've never really discussed skateboarding much ever in the entire no, time with each other, which is kind of funny being that it's always sort of, you know, not always, but it's like, you know, it's around punk rock, certainly. Um, I have had experience with a number of different things from videos over the years, but did you ever watch skate videos to like that you got music from over the years when you were younger or anything like that? Not enough, I don't think. Like I started watching videos by the time, I was already kind of on my own music path and certainly wasn't influenced by, you know, CKY or whatever bands they would play in like shit or the big brother skate videos. Um, you know, like I, I don't think I ever heard anything in those, at least that I can recall now. I'm trying to think, what did they play in the whiskey video? Do you remember that snowboarding video? I never saw those. Stuff? Yeah. Like I always had, I, I, there was definitely some of those videos like you just mentioned were very, um, very big videos, but I didn't, for whatever reason, didn't really watch those ones. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there was always, I remember one, I had one experience when I was in high school and um, there was uh, someone who was like interested in whatever, like, you know, skateboarding or whatever, but more snowboarding or some, some such nonsense. But uh, they were like, I was in, I was in a metal or whatever. I like metal still, but I remember at the time I was listening to like Sepultura or whatever. And for whatever reason, they'd used, I think it was Chaos AD in one of these videos. And okay. so, like, these bros at my school, like, all of a sudden just loved, like, they just loved that song. And I remember, like, hearing them talk about it, and they're like, like, to them, that was cool, but metal was not cool somehow. Um, <laughs> so it's just kind of funny, this idea. But why I wanted to bring it up is because I remember, like, there's a number of uh, of cool um whatever skate videos with cool soundtracks but one that had a really profound effect on me was um santa cruz skateboards uh, troops of tomorrow which has um stuff like the digits on it has uh like circle jerks red tape is on it um there's a lot of stuff on that that if i wasn't aware of before that kind of put me over the edge with getting into those bands i'm trying to think of other stuff that's on that but anyway um great kind of cool whatever 
Um, and that's even a sort of a little bit of a later video because like the earlier ones are excellent too, earlier years than that of like sort of more, more profound skate videos. But anyway, I always had experiences with that. So I was just curious if you had, cause we hadn't really ever talked about skateboarding before. Yeah. Like I, th- I definitely saw some that would have like 10 foot pole and no effects. And I'm trying to remember who else, like, but not enough that I was really getting stuff out of it by that point, you know? Yeah. And then, Later on, when I would see like public domain or searching for Animal Chin or something yeah. like that, you know, like I'd want to check out what bands were in it, but it would be more as like I would already kind of be aware of stuff and just be more interested in like, oh, why is this band the band they would feature in this for some reason and stuff like that. And then, you know, then of course, like, you know, but it, I never was that, you know, I, ne- I didn't get to discover the big boys from Escape Video or anything like that. Yeah, it's true. That's one group of all the groups you write. I don't recall ever. Um, yeah, that's funny. You know what else is on this soundtrack, by the way? I just looked it up. Adolescence Wrecking Crew. And that's definitely where I got into the adolescence from. 100%. Really? Came out in 91, yeah. So that's when I got into the adolescence, or at least that sort of familiarity. I remember buying, because that song's also on, which the BYO comp, I think, as well, right? I think it's I think on so. the... Anyway, I can't remember the title of it. Someone got their head kicked in Someone's or whatever. Something, in, yeah. something to believe in, whatever the hell. There's, I get yeah. confused. But it's on one of those, and that was like when I found that comp. Um, I was just floored. I was so happy to have it. Still love that song, by the way, too. Uh, but like, yeah, Germs, Land of Treason, Pegboy, even. Yeah, this soundtrack's great. This was like one of these. It even has like Lay Thugs on it. Um, well, there yeah, was some so pop band, of, like, too, right? Like Lay Thugs, which is crazy to yeah, think yeah. about. But it's all over the map. I mean, it's got Lay Thugs, uh, this Crash Course song I don't remember. But it's got a, like a TSOL song on here. It's got uh, it's got a couple Lay Thugs. It's got Diesel Queens. Like it's just got, it's all over the map. It's a lot of like Cali punk stuff and sort of. What about classic, Max Rock like, and Roll putting out the Diesel Queens album? <laughs> I have. I think I have one of them. Was it the? I'm trying to think of what it was called. I'm going to say Midnight Nambla might have the most. Oh no, that's that's the Turbo song, right? Yeah, yeah. I think you might. Okay, be no, there's, got, there's Nambla where it's like, "I'm a man and you're a boy. Come on over and enjoy some man boy, man boy <laughs> love." <laughs> Either way, <laughs> very disturbing <laughs> for Max Rock and Roll to put that out too. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know in 2016 if that would happen, but <laughs> no, no. But yeah, it's it's like for me, skateboard soundtracks, I think he speaks to it. The idea of like getting the licensing and that kind of being dead now is sort of something that makes me a little sad to uh, think about. But the uh, skate videos were always whatever, always things that hit me to different bands. Um, but this one in particular was a big one for me. And I still own this on VHS. It's great. Yeah, like I think that kind of killed, you know, like it obviously – once people had to start monetizing every little aspect of music, it certainly, I remember trying to get permission to put our music from one record label that we were on, not Matador, like even before that. And they were like, no fucking way. You can't put it on a skate video. They're like, this stuff huh. has value. Um, and it's like, yeah, like it just, well, could, you know. Well, it's just crazy because, like, now that, like, if I look at different things, like, if you just search soundtracks and whatnot for skateboard videos, if you can think of the titles of them, like, there's so much stuff. Yeah, like, 
and and for me like if you were interested in skateboarding you would always have like these songs ended up being like almost an advertisement in a way like where like i remember certain parts and videos and the songs that play and it being like this profound moment like in it marrying up perfectly kind of thing mm-hmm. so it's like and certain skaters would do like i can't remember the rally ones but as he said he would choose his music but I even remember people like like Matt Hensley. I really liked as a skateboarder. He always like you know in, in one of his later videos he, he skates to the Jam News of the World, and I always remember that being like this profound like thing. Yeah, there was a moment where like skateboarders had great music taste, like the older ones too. Like I think that was kind of simultaneous to what we were talking about with the Muska era. There was also this kind of like Jason Lee, you know, like I'm a grown up skateboarder. And, you know, Ed yes. Templeton, and Templeton's a great example of that, too. Yeah, um, totally. I, exactly. I, that kind of sensibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, I think that's the thing about it. It's a, I, I find it like a fascinating culture, like obviously not being so inside it, but uh, I find like looking at it from the outside is very interesting. Like, you know, even I, I like stumble over my words in the intro talking about whether or not it's a sport, you know, because some people <laughs> freak the fuck out when you call it a sport. Yeah, it's the age-old dilemma. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it for me, I don't. It, it meets all the criteria for me, but I get why sort of a, a sort of something that came from counterculture in some regard, or at least was co-opted by counterculture, let's say, uh, doesn't want to be considered a sport as kind mm. of like thumbing thumbing their nose at like the sporting establishment or something, but. Uh, I don't know. I, I consider skateboarders athletes. Whether or not that considers it a sport is a whole other ball of wax. But um, just in terms of what they have to go through physically, absolutely, it counts for me. Mm-hmm. I agree, definitely. Um, but but at the same time, some skaters don't want to be called athletes. <laughs> it's true. You know, like that's what I'm saying. I, don't know. Like, I think even, that's just. I'm not saying it's, it's controversial from a sports perspective. I'm saying it's more controversial from an internal perspective. Yeah, true. It's I don't know. I, I think that's silly in in the modern day. But yeah, <clears throat> it certainly was like you know that was the dividing line. Like you're not you're either for a time it was you either skateboarder either jock or whatever. And I don't. It's just kind of a funny. I've never really felt either one or the other when I was was interested in those things so i've just always found it silly mm-hmm. um was that your anyway, point or my point yeah i think I'm, i think i've rolled on it that was my point the skateboard soundtrack so what do you got uh i want to talk about being too young to go to like the shows that you wish you could go to and the idea really? of like there were yeah. shows that you couldn't get into because you were just underage it definitely sucks but i don't have any real vivid memories of ones that i missed although i know there were were yeah that me too um, like i was trying to think of specific ones right now and i know there were but i just can't think of them but i know there was stuff that i was just shut out of because i was too young i feel like and you would definitely know more than me is there and i i can't imagine this being the case but i feel like there was an earlier propaganda show maybe that was not all ages in toronto maybe uh, or am i wrong on that there were like that tour where they did all those Southern Ontario shows. There was one of them, I think, that was 19 plus, but I might, no, I don't think so. I think they were all, all ages. Yeah, it might have been, but there's, I remember something of that era because I remember being really pissed about being young. Chicks dig it would play <laughs> 90 plus shows and stuff back then. Like, For whatever reason, here, 
Yeah, here they would play like they'd play bars here, but for whatever reason that was cool to go to. So I, I saw that band in uh sort of their prime era easily. But yeah, it's you're right. I I can't but I remember being very angry about that for many years when I was young, but I don't I'm trying to think of the shows offhand. Like who was I dying to see that wasn't playing all ages shows? I think I because when think. you get older you see so many shows that you're just yeah. like ah. Did I see? Did, was there anything I missed? Well, I'm sure I definitely was, but I just I'm trying to go back and even think, like I really cannot remember. But I remember being really angry about it for years, to the point where I, you know, I had a very, very, and I, and I still kind of I, I get why people don't put on all ages shows all the time, but um, I definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I still kind of resent <laughs> when things like uh, exclude younger people because I remember being that person and being excluded and it's sucking bad. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. There are a lot less younger people today at these punk shows than there were back then, though, Chris, to be fair. What do you mean? There, was, there were a lot less younger people then than now, is what you're saying? <clears throat> I think now there's less, there's less younger people than there were in like the 90s. Right. Yeah, I guess. I, I think I see it now, but I mean, I think my perspective has changed much like yours, I'm sure. But uh, it's weird being the older person at a show now. So I always feel the opposite. I always feel that yeah. everyone is basically younger than me. Like, <laughs> I'm definitely in the 1% of like older people <laughs> at most things that I go to. <laughs> By no means am I old, but I'm old enough. Um, so I, I feel differently, but you're probably right. I don't see shows. Well, I guess like, there's a like new whatever. scene, right? That's all super young kids yeah. now. Um, but that's the thing. It got to a point where the, there was like the older scene. There was just so many more older people than younger people. Yeah. I think for a time that was, like. I think at least in Toronto, from my recollection, there was definitely a time, um, that, the sort of there was I don't know I don't know the way to say this properly like there was definitely a heavy older overage crowd and it was a weird and you might know of this more because you came up at your relative we're relatively the same age so you I think it speaks to the idea of like when you talk about um, hardcore at least going to like the suburbs and mm -hmm. I feel like some of that was related to the idea that all ages show were a difficult thing maybe in the city or something mm -hmm. for a minute i can't really speak to that myself but i just remember that being a pervasive thing too like like wanting to go see certain bands but definitely being like aged out but uh yeah there's no no bands i can think of off the top of my head it's gonna that bothers me because i remember being really angry about it but i don't i can't even think of which things i was excluded from that made yeah, me same so here <laughs> all right terrible point Damien. let's move on no no the point is good but i just can't <laughs> i've got kidding. nothing it's late too, but <laughs> it is very late. Well, why don't we wrap on this point, Chris? Cause we've already talked pretty long time. Why, why don't you take the last point? Sure. Oh boy. Putting the pressure on here. Um, Hmm. Well, we already spoke about lungfish. I think we covered that a little bit. Yeah. Um, meeting Lemmy and, the t and talking the Beatles. That's interesting. I like the idea of the John Lennon as a punker. I'm not sure I agree that it's applicable, but it is interesting. Um, I don't know. What do we want to speak to here? Do you have a, like, do you have a really good last point you want to go on here? Because I can't. I don't have anything. Uh, I like the idea of like scenes that, you know, like the difference between like a scene where, like we're talking about, like a scene where there is that connection to the older scene. Like the older scene never really went away. Like 
like he was talking about Liverpool with the skateboarders and like I was saying in punk scene in Liverpool, there's still like old people hanging out, you know, you see that? Yeah. I think you see it a lot more in England. Like, I, I, there's a direct lineage between all the scenes. <laughs> yeah. From my limited experience going to things there. Yeah. I, I yeah. This from an outsider perspective as well, that. I should say. Yeah. Um, because I, obviously we don't live there, but I just, well, you lived there for a minute, but you were, you were not from there or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think that's, I don't, I think it's better now here for that than it was at a time. I think now you have more, from my experience, some, some of the older folks, maybe me now again, being one or us being one, mm-hmm. uh, them that there is a bit more of a bridge than I think there was at least that I recall. I mean, I always knew of older people that were involved in things, but I didn't always feel like they were the ones that were necessarily the most, um, encouraging, let's say. <laughs> yeah. So I think now it's a little better for that, but, uh, yeah, it is nice to see a, a, like kind of like a, an actual, whatever city scene, whatever that has that kind of like direct correlation all the time. I don't know if it's just a cultural difference here, uh, as to why that is the case there and not here or what have you, but, um, yeah, I don't know, but, uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of the point here to make. I'm trying to uh, to delay long enough. Um, let's just talk about. We already covered the skate video one. The Black Mountain. Okay, let's cover this one because I thought that was interesting. I loved his interview. Black yeah. Mountain guy gets mentioned. Amazing. Steve McBean. Like, the fact. Yeah, but the fact that Jeff Raleigh knows who that is, you know what I mean? For me, is just insane to thought that, but also that he knows he's a skateboarder and that's how he knows him, which is even crazier. You've interviewed some people on your show that I cannot believe how, um, how strongly like that. Again, I was aware of that group black mountain. I was not really aware of his involvement in punk admittedly, but it's like, these are the individuals that from this show or other things that I encounter, I'm always just absolutely floored how <laughs> how legit they are as people. And certainly I would argue it's like far more than myself. So I'm always just, yeah, I like that he mentioned him for that reason. And I don't know. I don't know if you're unearthing these because people are now coming to your show and sort of like divulging this information, but I don't remember finding as much of these uh, in the years gone by. Uh, like, I think, I don't know. Like, I think the thing is, you know, like, uh, it's just like, I don't know, being a nerd helps. And <laughs> yeah, like people are coming to me definitely now a little bit too. But um, I think it's also just like years of just like, you know, having these sorts of conversations in vans, you know, and just knowing that like so-and-so, oh yeah, this guy was slightly connected to punk or she was slightly connected to punk. So you can always reach out to these people and try. You know, there's like a bunch of people coming up that I think are going to blow people's minds if I can get them on the show to agree. Cool. I think you, you're slowly creating the support group to let people like come out about that or something. It's very, yeah. like, it's very, um, well, cathartic, but it's just very, it's very interesting to hear these tales. But anyway, again, back to that idea. Like, I cannot believe Jeff Raleigh knew who this was. Not, you know, it's, it's insane. Well, what about the fact uh, that never Stephen McBean talks about hearing Dinosaur Jr. for the first time in a skate video? 
Yeah, it just it. it's it is funny. Like that, I think that that is a very important point, and they he mentions it enough in the interview, and certainly what you just mentioned. Like it was for me at least probably the most vital formative um, method of finding out about new bands for a good a good bit of my formative years. So, mm-hmm. and I don't again things change and that's fine, but it sort of makes me a little sad to to think that that no longer exists in that way. Now, however, you have the internet <laughs> and whatever at your disposal, so you, you have a lot bigger resource and, and what have you. But that certainly for me was like one of those things. So I think it's like cannot be overstated the the significance of that thing. Like most people, if they're hearing this now and they don't really get it, then it's probably a generational thing. But for me, the like, skate videos were huge. Um, source of whatever finding out about groups or just finding about cool groups or what have you and the idea too that he mentions that using perhaps some of these was like more of a uh using a you know a group that might not have been as big or what have you like say the punk stuff because there wasn't really any like fear of it i don't know needing to be licensed in the same way like a bigger artist would or whatever and it's kind of like i don't know if that's why it it sort of fostered such a home for finding more like weird indie artists sometimes or I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Like I think um, you're right. And I think it's also just the, the nature of doing a skate video where you want something weirder to go with, you know, like something more abstract, I guess, or I don't know. I just think like it, it was, you know, and it is like, he kind of talks about it, like a dead medium at this point, but they had money to spend. And so they'd spend like big elaborate visuals for these skateboard tricks and have these kind of cool soundtracks to go along with it. And it really, yeah, it was like a cool package. You bought into it. Like that sold the culture to someone like myself who sucked at it. <laughs> Likewise, yeah. To be fair, I think probably 90% of the people at skateboard, maybe 95, probably really suck at it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but you know, you watch those videos you're right, and yeah. hear those music and you're like, fuck, I want to do that. It is. It is I agree. It is, uh, again, formative years. Yeah, it was definitely huge. And uh, certainly the soundtracks also. Hmm. Well, I think that's it for today, Chris. Yeah, I think we've run it dry tonight. <laughs> oh my gosh! I think you and me are running on empty. Uh, yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, where can they get in touch with us, Chris? Uh, Turned out punk footnotes at mail dot com. And uh, if you want to get in touch with me, you can hit me up on various forms of social media at Left for Damien. Please subscribe to this podcast and write a review and rate it. If you enjoy it and use iTunes, if not, just tell your friends and send us those emails so we can become this exhausted by the end of every show. Next week (laughs) on the show, this was like a birthday present to myself because this one's a fucking monster for me. Allison Baker of Teen Craig Combo and Dirty Ghosts is on the show, but the mastermind of Teen Craig Combo, as brought up on numerous episodes, be it uh, Arish from King Khan and the Shrines or, or, uh, Max or no, sorry, not Max, um, or, uh, Nick Flanagan has brought him up as yeah. well, brought her up, sorry, as well. And she is someone that, you know, like masterminded Tigra combo in a very real way. And we will talk all about it next week and has the greatest, the greatest first punk show story I think we've ever heard on this show. You've definitely uh, you've made a big claim here, so I'm curious to hear it now. It's phenomenal. It's hilarious. It's really like I I I died laughing 
at the store. It's phenomenal. And so I don't think I'm overselling it by saying that. So that's next week on the show. Nice. Uh, and then we will have a lot to talk about, Chris, coming out of that. I, I promise you. Cool. All right, buddy. Well, uh, thank you very much. No worries, man. Bye, everyone. Go make their, go out there and make your own culture and do what you ever you do. And my God, am I tired? Let's go to bed, Chris. <laughs> yes. <laughs>